This morning, our reading comes from Psalm 29. Psalm 29, we will read this and briefly meditate on it before we proceed with the celebration of the Lord's Supper. It is a psalm of David which describes the coming of a thunderstorm from the Mediterranean and spreading out over the land. And that, that imagery has been worked into the psalm. So as, as we read it together, listen for the repetition of imagery and the building up of imagery in this psalm. Psalm 29, a psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when was the last time that you experienced a big thunderstorm rolling in? We don't seem to get them much around here in the Perth metro area, not the real kind anyway, but once you get out into flatter areas like the wheat belt or the prairies if you come from Canada, you can certainly experience a thunderstorm there. It's an incredible thing to see. The clouds moving in from the distance, rolling forward, building up in the shape of an anvil 10 kilometers high against the colder layers of atmosphere. And then underneath this, this roiling mass of purple, sometimes green, cloud and flashes of lightning coming, muted thunder in the distance, closer and closer. How long do you dare to stand outside? How small do you feel when you have one of those going overhead? Psalm 29 describes that process. It describes a storm passing overhead, a storm forming in the Mediterranean that then makes its way inland along the length of the country into the wilderness. 
The superscription says that it's a psalm of David. Now, David, of course, as you know, was a shepherd in his early life, and so he certainly would have experienced this kind of thing firsthand, being out in the fields. But in, verse, in this psalm, he, he speaks about the storm and specifically the thunder as if it is the voice of the Lord. He says the Lord is calling us to listen to him. And so that is what we will focus on this morning as well. And we do so under the theme that we are to hear the voice of the Lord because it reveals his greatness and it reveals his grace. Now, the first thing that you need to realize when you read this psalm is that it contains echoes of heathen imagery. The Israelites, of course, were not the first occupants of the promised land. The original occupants were heathens, many different heathen ethnic groups, nations as they were called in the Bible, and they worshipped the natural forces around them. In their eyes, each natural force belonged to a particular god. For example, the waters of the deep, the oceans, belonged to Yam. Thunder and lightning belonged to Baal, Baal Hadad. Baal is a title meaning Lord. And so Baal Hadad was the god of thunder, the Baal. Whenever there was a seasonal drought, they said that Baal had died. And whenever things came back to life, they believed it was because Baal had mated with, with one of a number of goddesses, and so there was fertility again. These people worshipped the sun, the moon, and the stars as well. But this psalm, Psalm 29, presents God as being far more powerful than these natural forces. He controls all of it. It's not just subdivided where he gets to have one or two pieces. He controls all of it. He controls the, the thunder and lightning, which is the domain of Baal. He sits enthroned over the flood, which is the, the domain of Yam. At the end, he controls everything in between. He is so much more than these natural forces. In fact, he is completely separate from them. And his control is completely effortless. All other beings are subject to him. All other forces pale in insignificance beside him. The psalm says that he alone deserves all glory, all honor, all recognition for his power and majesty. In fact, the psalm doesn't even begin by describing, by, by focusing on these natural forces. And consider that to the Canaanites, the, the natural forces were the greatest things that they could imagine and the gods behind it. But, but the psalm doesn't even focus on that. It begins with the heavenly attendants who are closest to God. And it calls them to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The word ascribe means to acknowledge that he has something. To ascribe means to acknowledge that God has something. So to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength means that you acknowledge that the Lord has glory and strength, that you, in a sense, attribute this to him. All creation expresses it. All human beings are called to join in that expression. And so this, this heavenly worship in verse 1 is echoed by the earthly worship in verse 9. In his temple, all cry glory. Earth is called to join heaven in praise. And in between these verses is, is his power manifested in a storm that rumbles in from the Mediterranean and makes the land tremble. The tall cedars of Lebanon, broken. The very mountains skip like calves. Even the biggest mountain that they had, Mount Hermon itself, Bucks and trembles. 
You imagine his power. Just try to conceive of this. At any given point in time, there are anywhere from 1,800 to 2,000 thunderstorms taking place in the world. So at this very moment, this is happening in anywhere from 1,800 to 2,000 places in the world. An average thunderstorm can hold a million tons of water suspended in the air as clouds. Only a fraction of that ever drops on the ground. And we see it coming and we run. You imagine God's power. And these, as Job said, these are only the outer fringes of his works. This is just just a hint, a whisper of his power. Imagine how powerful he then must be. And if even creation breaks before him, even the greatest things that we can imagine, that we can see, the mountains themselves, if they, they tremble before him, then what about us? Verse 10 says that the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. In Genesis, the Lord sat enthroned over the flood and he spoke over the waters and he created order out of chaos. In the days of Noah, he judged mankind and that chaos returned and the waters covered the earth again. And he sat enthroned over the flood as judge. And we know that that is in the background of this psalm, that element of judgment and of, 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 um, of chaos and of God's sovereignty over that. That's in the background because this psalm is the only other place where that particular word for flood gets used. It gets used here and it gets used in the Noah story. So there's a connection there. And this is meant to remind us very subtly in the background of God's power to judge sin. Why does, why does this psalm remind us of that? God reminds us of his power so that we will return to him in repentance and faith. Every storm is a warning of the pent-up forces of judgment. Just a little hint, a little whisper of the judgment of God, of the, the power of his anger against sin and of his ability to deal with it. If anyone knows the fullness of God's judgment, it would be Jesus Christ himself. Jesus underwent the forces, the full forces of chaos and destruction. He did not hide. All the flood of God's judgment went over him. As the Catechism puts in the Lord's Day 15, during all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end, Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. That's what, we're, what we remember in the Lord's Supper. We remember the judgment, the destruction that Christ underwent for us. We're reminded of that every time that we celebrate the Lord's Supper, every time that the bread is broken, every time that the wine is poured out. We're reminded of that every time that we experience the destructive power of a thunderstorm. It reveals God's greatness. He's the sovereign king and judge over his people, but it also reveals his grace. What does David mean when he refers to thunder as the voice of God? Does he actually mean that literally? Well, he's taking some poetic liberty here, of course. But don't think that this is purely figurative language. God does speak through creation. Psalm 19 confirms that for us. Remember, the heavens declare the glory of God. 
The skies proclaim the works of his hands. There are no words, but there is a message. There is a message without words, and that's, that's what thunder does as well. That's what David is saying when he refers to thunder as the voice of God. He's saying that God, through nature, communicates with us. He wants to communicate with us. But not just through this overwhelming display of power. No, he has revealed himself to us as the God of the covenant. Through the blood of Christ, he entered into a relationship with us. Christ is the only reason why you can hear the voice of God and not run away. If it wasn't for Christ, that would be judgment and judgment only. Then his voice would be as incomprehensible and as overwhelming as a thunderstorm in the wheat belt on a hot summer day. But in Christ, we can know him as the God of the covenant, the one who reveals himself as Yahweh, the Lord, all caps. And you see how, how often that name, is, that, that name is mentioned in this psalm. Hebrews 1 verse 1 and 2 says that long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The Lord spoke to us, and he calls us to respond in faith. And this is why we profess our faith. That's what Irina did this morning. She responded to the voice of the Lord. She responded to God's call in the presence of many witnesses. She joined this local church. The church is the body of Christ. As church members, we together collectively have been built into a living temple that glorifies him. In his temple, all cry glory. That's us. Do you do that, dear brothers and sisters? We've heard the voice of Christ. We respond to him in faith. Do you think of that? Will you think of that the next time that a thunderstorm passes overhead? So this morning we celebrate the strength and peace that we have in him. A strength and peace promised in Christ, experienced in the Lord's Supper, Verse 11 of our psalm says, May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. And that verse is where the psalm leaves us. That really is the, the focal point of the psalm, the place where we end up. The blessing is his presence. And when it says, May, may the Lord give, may the Lord bless, you should not understand that to mean maybe. It's not, it's not tentative. It's not a wish. It is an absolute certainty. In Christ. You can count on it. He gave his word and he sealed it with his blood. Amen.